turn in your Bible to Mark chapter number 11. Mark chapter 11. I want to talk very briefly this morning from the subject, Strengthen Your Faith. Strengthen Your Faith. We've heard quite a few messages lately on faith and about faith and uh, how important faith is. Jesus said, the just shall live, walk, move, breathe by faith. You know, some of you, maybe like me, you've listened to some faith messages over the years. And maybe for some of you, maybe some of those messages have maybe turned you off a little bit. I know my wife and I were talking this morning. We were listening to someone talk about how, uh, you know, when there's a new revelation and new illumination, it seems like we go too far. You know, we go this far into the ditch. And then when there's another illumination, we go this far. When there's uh, a revelation on grace, we go way over to this side. And when there's revelation on the law and what we should be doing, righteous living, we go way on this side. And for some of you, maybe some of these faith messages or prosperity messages, whatever you want to call them, have turned you off a little bit. But what I want to say to you this morning is sometimes it's the way it's presented to you. In other words, just because something is presented in a certain way doesn't mean that the crux of it is incorrect. Amen? Just because grace is presented to you a certain way doesn't mean that grace is not true. Right? For example, I know that, you know, like a lot of you, I like certain types of food. I, I like potato salad. It's not my favorite food, but I like it. But I don't really eat anybody's potato salad. Only my... Somebody said, that's right. <laughs> my wife makes great potato salad. Now, I can go over somebody else's house, you know, or we can uh, go out to dinner or whatever it is, and I can order or get potato salad. And, and it has the same ingredients. I taste maybe sweet pickles or little pickles and obviously potatoes or whatever all the ingredients. I can tell that the same ingredients are in this potato salad, but it just doesn't taste like my wife's potato salad. To me, she knows how to present it to me. Amen. And I love her potato salad. And so I don't eat just anybody's potato salad. Well, sometimes messages are presented a certain way where people get that particular revelation. I believe that faith is so important to the body of Christ. And here's the thing, so does Jesus. Come on, Jesus emphasized, if you read the Gospels, Jesus emphasized faith. He really did. He said uh, of the centurion, he said, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. He asked the disciples, why were you fearful when they were out on the boat, O ye of little faith? He mentioned faith several times. And so if faith is important to Jesus, it's important to us. Now, what is faith? Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. But as I've said before, faith really at the root of the matter, at the crux of it, really simply is just hearing what God says, and doing it, isn't it? Look back through the Bible. 
Abraham, right? He's in what we call the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. How did he express his faith? He heard what God told him to do and he did it. And the Bible calls him a man of great faith. In fact, Father Abraham, he's the father of faith. And so faith is important. Here in Mark chapter 11, I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture, starting at verse 1. We're going to just go down through it. Look at verse 1 with me. It says this, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you. As soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street. And they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing loosening the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus, threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees, spread them on the road. Then those who went before those and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Verse 11 says... And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now, in our study of faith, I know that the Lord has been speaking to me about this thing. Uh, and he's, he's given me these two words. All in. Are you all in? Are you in or are you out? Well, if you're in, God's been speaking to me, be all in. How many know that God wants all of you? He doesn't want part of you. Right? How many that are married just want part of your spouse? Right? They can do and be with anybody else they want to. You just want them part of the time. Come on, nobody. Right? You want them to be dedicated to you. Well, God wants you to be all in. And so he's been speaking to me about this thing about our, our vocabulary and how we speak. You know, we, we, we did a message some weeks ago about why we speak. And God's really been talking to me about that. And I've listened to myself and, and how I speak. And it's not that I don't have the knowledge of what to say, or, but I, I, to be honest, I get lazy. Come on. We do. We just get a little bit lazy and we just say uh, whatever comes to mind. But God's been talking to me about this, about speaking. In other words, think of this scenario. It, say you were going to fast and you say, well, I've been thinking about fasting. And I think perhaps tomorrow, if I'm feeling pretty good, I might think about fasting. You are about to eat three of the biggest meals that you have ever eaten in your life. <laughs> I mean, people you haven't seen in 
13 years are going to come out of the woodwork and invite you out to dinner. And your job is going to have a free Ruth Chris steak day, right? I mean, because what you said, all you did was announce to the devil or uh, his minions that, hey, I want you to tempt me tomorrow. (laughs) Because you didn't mean it. (laughs) But no, when you mean it, when you mean a thing, you say tomorrow, nothing is going to touch my lips until such and such a time. And I stand on the word of God on that thing. And, and when, you make a, when you make a declaration like that and a promise to him, he makes a declaration and a promise to you. The Holy Spirit will help you do it. I listened to this football coach some years ago. He coached the Colorado Buffaloes and he was also started Promise Keepers. And uh, he talked about how he would bring his men, uh, his young men in on, uh, on their last practice before the game, maybe Friday uh, afternoon. And he'd bring them in. And, and then he'd bring his captains in one by one. And he'd set them in a chair. And he'd turn his chair around so that they're face to face, just like this. And he said, he would say, what can I expect out of you tomorrow when we go to play that game? And whatever they'd say, you know how the young men are. Well, you can expect... Uh, you know, this, I, I will, I'll give my all, I'll fight for extra yardage, I will not have any turnovers, I will, uh, you know, I'll have all of my assignments down, I'll do what you ask me to do. And you know what he says? All right, then that's what I expect of you tomorrow. That's what I expect to see. God is asking us this morning, what can I expect out of you? What can I expect out of you? What will we say? Lord, I will love you. I dedicate myself. I dedicate my life to you. I promise to do what you tell me to do. You know what God's saying? Well, then that's what I expect out of you. Because he has given us so many promises and so many blessings. We talked about it last week. I know pastor gave out some time, a few years ago, he gave out, I don't know how many promises there was. So many, you just read through the Bible, there's so many promises that he's promised us. And he's only really asking us for one thing. And that's everything. (laughs) All of us. Give me all of you and you will be blessed beyond what you could ever imagine. And so we see here, it says, Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple and then he looked round about. Now he, the Bible here, I, I was really analyzing this verse of scripture. He went into the temple and the Bible says he looked round about. He, he looked around. In other words, he observed some things that were around him. And then as the day went on, it says it got late, but he didn't do anything. Now, do you think the people in the temple were doing something different that day than they would do tomorrow? They were doing the same thing. And as we read here, you'll see they were money changers in the temple, gambling, doing all sorts of things. But the Bible says that Jesus just observed them, says he looked round about. Do you think he wasn't furious? Or upset that day. He was, he was just like he would have been the next day. But why didn't he do anything this day? Same thing. Probably same money changers. Same people gambling. All of that. Why did he not do anything? I'll tell you why. And here's the key for us. Jesus said in John. I only do what I see my father do. And I only say what I see my father say. Now, if, if you're, why this is important is because if you're anything like me, I mean, I, you know, when I was in high school, I, I, 
I played football and I, you know, I did some of these things and I was really too little to do all of those things. I mean, I didn't have the big belly like I have now. You know, I probably weighed 145 pounds uh, out of the shower, you know. And, uh, but I was on the football team with these big 250-pound men and all these type of things. And a lot of my friends were big guys. And so, you know, I was, I was of the sort that, you know, listen, if I'm going to survive, you know, you hit first and then ask questions later. You know, he, he, he that gets in the first lick wins the fight, right? You know, that's, that's kind of the way that I was. You know, I just, um, I mean, not that I fought much. I didn't. Like I said, I was so small. But if I thought I was threatened, you know, I was ready to, to jump, you know. Uh, and just because I was so small, but but the thing of it is, that's not going to work in the kingdom of God. It, it just won't work. There's sometimes where we need to take a step back and think about it. There's sometimes when we need to take a step back and allow God to speak to us about this situation, what we should do. See, Jesus looked round about and he saw everything that was going on, but he didn't just fly off the handle. Like we do sometimes with righteous indignation. He didn't just fly off the handle. There are some times in our life where we need to take a moment. Because if you take a moment, pray about it, see what God will have to say about the situation. He might, just might, have a better solution than your lightning fast mind can think of. <laughs> just maybe. He he may have a better solution in this situation than what you could think of. How many have sent an email out and, and 10 minutes later said, oh man, I should have looked at that first. I should have had somebody look at it. You know, we have a thing at work where when we get into a, a situation where we get an email or something like that from someone and we want to respond back, we have our little group, we'll get together and, or have one of, our, one of our friends come over, one of our coworkers say, read this email before I send it back. Read what they said and then read what I'm saying back before I hit the send button and tell me is this okay or not. You know, sometimes you have to do that. And so that's what Jesus did. He only did what his father told him to do. He only said what his father told him to say. How many could benefit from a life like that? Now I know a lot of us know a lot of things, right? But none of us know everything. Come on. And then it says he went back to Bethany. They had come from Bethany, went into the temple, he observed everything, looked around about, saw what was going on, didn't say anything, shut his mouth. Come on. And then he took the twelve back to Bethany. Verse 12 says this, Now the next day, when they had come from Bethany, he was hungry. Come on, Jesus was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, No one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now, this is another interesting situation. We're just kind of going through this here. I don't have ten points for you this morning. A little different. Just going through this passage of Scripture. This I also found interesting because I've heard it preached on. I've read it tons of times. 
But I was thinking about this. They were walking along. He's walking along with the 12. Jesus is hungry. And it says he looked over from afar and he saw a fig tree that had leaves on it. Now, that fig tree must have been a little ways off of the road because he could not tell if it had fruit. I mean, if a tree is right there in front of you, you could see if there's apples or oranges or whatever it is on it. So it must have been a little ways off the road. And so Jesus apparently left the 12 there, and he just went on over there to the fig tree. Now, I don't know if they were looking, wondering what he was doing. He... A lot of times he didn't tell them everything that was going on because, you know, well, he walked by faith and they, they didn't understand that yet. So he just went off the side of the road way over there to where the fig tree was. And when he got there, because the Bible said he was expecting that fruit might be on it. Because it says he wanted to see perhaps there may be figs on this tree. Now you would think Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit would know if there are figs on the tree or not. <laughs> So he must have thought, perhaps there should be figs on the tree. Went over there to the tree, saw that there was no fruit on it, and he spoke to the tree. He said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And the key phrase in here, and the disciples heard it. Now remember, the fig tree was far off the road. So what that tells me is that Jesus wasn't just kind of playing around with this thing. He wasn't, just, he wasn't just disappointed and said, oh, nobody's going to eat fruit off of you again. No. He spoke it out loud so the disciples could hear it. I'll tell you another thing. Well, also, if some of you are like me, I'm, I'm also the type of person where if, if something comes up or I feel the Lord speak to me about a certain thing, you know, I'm kind of weary sometimes about speaking it out. You know, because what if it really doesn't come true? I mean, that'll be kind of embarrassing. You know, what if it really doesn't happen? Kind of embarrass me. You know, I put my heart on my sleeve, and I told this to all these people, and then it doesn't come to pass, and then now all of a sudden they're saying, well, what happened? You said this such and such was going to happen. It's kind of embarrassing, isn't it? Do you think Jesus was worried about embarrassment? I mean, 12 disciples, I'm talking about men who looked up to him. They'd seen him heal people. They'd seen him teach. Come on. These are folks that looked up to him, young men. And so he spoke it out. Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. Listen, when God speaks to us, our confession not only has to be consistent with what he's saying, but it has to be a bold confession. Come on. Remember, I said, if you, you said, well, I think I might fast. He didn't say, well, uh, I just hope nobody ever eats figs from you again. No. He said, let no one ever. And the disciples heard it. If we're going to strengthen our faith, we need to make a declaration from our lips. I tell you this, you can't even get into heaven without declaring from your lips. I mean, that's what the Bible says. Now, I'm just going by the Bible. You might think in your mind, well, you know, Lord, I love you. Come into my heart. Save me. But in Romans chapter 10, 
if I'm reading the correct Bible, it says confess. Now, it, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't say confess by thinking it. It says confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And so we need to start confessing some things with our mouth. But now, I know I'm kind of all over the place. Let me tie some things together here. We need to confess some things out loud with our mouth. But remember, Jesus said, I only do and I only say what my father said. You see how it connects together? Come on. Just don't start confessing anything that's not consistent with the word or that God didn't tell you. I'll tell you this. Another scripture in Romans says, we, so then faith comes by what? Hearing. But hearing what? The word of God. That's how your faith is strengthened. And we know that that word faith, that word word there in Romans is rhema. God's breathe, his spoken word to you. Something he told you. Something God told you. That's what strengthens your faith. Not by saying something ten times by your will. Boy, if we could do that, I'd just have everything in the world. But some things would be messed up as well. <laughs> what about when folks get on your nerves? You just will it. <laughs> like that Twilight episode, Twilight Zone episode years ago from the 60s. That little boy, he just willed him into the field. All the adults were scared of him. Anybody remember? You remember? Somebody remembers that. <laughs> they were scared. We're coddling the little boy. <laughs> but faith comes by hearing, hearing his word. And when we do hear his word, don't then keep it to yourself. Come on now, we need to speak that thing out. Speak what God, John 5 says, I only do what my Father says to do. Come on. Verse 15. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive those out who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When the evening had come, they went out of the city. This day, they were doing the same thing they were doing the, the day before, but a radical change in Jesus' action and his demeanor. Why? Well, his father must have told him, today, no more. Today is the day for action. Today is the day you stand up and you speak my word. And they will fear me, God is saying. They will fear me. And Jesus did that. And he, but listen, now here's another thing we can take from this. Jesus overturned the tables, threw out the money changers, all of this type of thing. And, and, and a lot of times we read this verse of scripture and, and that's where we leave it. We say, oh boy, Jesus, I'll tell you what, he went in there, he cleaned it up, buddy. And that was it. Whew. But guess what? That's not the most important part of that passage. It says, and then he taught them. And then he taught them. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I think it'd be difficult to go into place, throw half the people out, and then have a church service. <laughs> All of a sudden, have a meeting after you threw everybody out. You, I mean, you mess with their money. That's what I'm talking about now. Come on. You know how people are with their money. You mess with the money. And so you threw them out, but then he began to teach. He began to teach. This is how he strengthened them. This is what I'm talk, I've been talking about for the last few weeks about our attitude of correction. When you correct somebody, when you have to admonish, our whole attitude should be to bring them up unto maturity. Those who are more spiritual help those who are less spiritual to bring them up. There may be a moment the father will tell you, be harsh and say, listen, you need to stop this now. This behavior cannot go on or you will not be blessed. But then you teach. Why? The word of God says it. This is, listen, your blessings are in here. Follow this and you will be blessed. We were up in Indianapolis. There was a couple that were going to a church that we pastored up there, Abundant Life, and they lived together. But they were just a beautiful uh, couple. They, they really were just a, a beautiful couple. They, and they, they loved church. They kept coming back. So, you know, we, we didn't drive them away. And, uh, but it came to a point, and, you know, for a few weeks we didn't, didn't say, we just loved on them. You know, and that's what you do. That's the grace part of it. And then uh, came to a point, my wife and I were talking, said, yeah, it's, you know, it's time. <laughs> and so we took them out for coffee, and, uh, you know, we had some things to say that were, were not so uh, easily, easy to swallow, I'll say. But it was the truth. And the way it was presented, come on, was the godly way. Amen? And then we talked about the scripture, what God would have you do, and why he wants to bless you. Amen. And that's what we need to do. That's what Jesus did here. Move on down to verse 23, 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, well, this is right after, I'm just skipping ahead here a little bit. This is right after they went back by the fig tree and they saw that it had withered, right? And then Peter said, look, fig tree is withered. Like, I can't believe it. <laughs> So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, And does not doubt in his heart, But believes that those things which he says will be done, He will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, Whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Jesus' response to Peter and to the twelve when they said, Look at what happened. The fig tree is withered. Have faith in God. Think Jesus doesn't put an emphasis on faith? Have faith in God. That's what withered this fig tree. That's the lesson of the fig tree. I mean... You know Peter, just like I do. I mean, he, he, you know, of course he couldn't believe it. Look at this thing. Now here's what came to my mind. I thought about this. As they saw that fig tree, one question I know I would have, you know, I would say, you know, now, Lord, not that I'm, you know, doubting you or anything like that. I, 
you know, I believe what you're saying, and I saw you heal, heal that guy who was blind with the eyes and the, the one that had the demons, and the, you know, I, so I believe you. Uh, but I was just wondering, because you said this, you know, yesterday or, or this morning, and nothing happened. And, and now all of a sudden, uh, the fig tree is withered. You know, how come it didn't happen? You know, not that you, no, I mean, this is good now, you know, but just wonder how come it didn't happen when you first said it. That's all. I was just curious, you know. I just wonder. <laughs> of course, he'd probably tell me, go sit down somewhere, please. You're missing, missing the point. <laughs> but I think about things like that. And so that was in my mind. And as I was thinking about that, the Lord spoke to me. And I was like, well, Lord, I was just doing a scenario in my mind. I really wasn't questioning you. <laughs> and the Lord said this. Well, here's the thing about it. As long as the earth remains... Seed time and harvest. Everything God does begins with a seed. There's always a seed. And how a seed begins is it dies and it grows roots, doesn't it? Before you ever see anything above ground, that thing has to germinate. And it has to grow roots. And so when Jesus spoke to that fig tree... He wasn't speaking to the leaves on the tree. He wasn't speaking to the outer bark or the skin, all those things that you could see. When Jesus speaks to a thing, he speaks to the root of the matter. And all that day, all in, that, all in the roots of that tree, that curse began to work right from the inside out. And so it took some time from the inside out. You know, we're the kind of people that we want to see things happen right away. You know, Jesus speaks to the tree, let no one eat from you again. I curse you. And if I saw a few leaves fall off the tree and it kind of wilted a little bit, I'd say, oh, look at that. Ha ha. Ha, the tree. You got to do what Jesus said. Come on. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, all I saw was a couple leaves fall. The roots are still there. You ever been gardening or you know, in your, in your yard and, and cut off some weeds, cut off a mushroom or cut off some weeds, but you didn't dig the thing up, right? What happens? It comes right back, doesn't it? But when you get some of the secret formula from Lowe's, you know, or Menards, and you, and you put it on your lawn and you spray it all up, you don't just stand there and go, ha, now go. Come on, be gone, Right? Why? Because that stuff goes down to the root, right? And it kills it from the root. And so there are some times when we need to be patient with some things. Because you don't see it right away doesn't mean it's not happening, right? We need to speak what God tells us to speak and then allow God to work, or allow that word to work. God's already done his stuff. He's resting. But we need to allow the word to work at the root of the matter, be patient. Listen, he's patient with you. <laughs> he's long-suffering with you. Come on. We need to be patient and long-suffering. And so, it doesn't stop there. Look at verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that, and you will receive, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now the writers here put a period. But I want you to look at the next word in the next verse. What's that word? 
and. It's a conjunction. Conjunction, junction. What's your function? <laughs> Hooking up phrases and clauses. <laughs> so these two must be related. They must go together. And, and, oh, here it is now. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything, any, any, anything <laughs> against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. You never thought a message on faith would be about forgiveness, did you? But it is. It goes with it. I mean, it's, it's included right in the same passage. He says here, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, forgive. And so there are two things that I glean from this whole thing of how we need to strengthen our faith or how we can strengthen our faith. Number one, make the kingdom your number one priority. Make the kingdom of God your number one priority. And number two, forgive so that you will be forgiven. You remember in Luke chapter 5 when there were a few guys and they had their buddy and he was lame and they were trying to get him to Jesus. And they couldn't get him to Jesus. And they said, oh, we got, to, we got to raise the roof. So they went up on the roof, raised the roof, set him down in there, right? And then Jesus looked and he said, your sins are forgiven. Hmm, remember that? We just remember him healing them. We don't remember that part. That's what he said. He said, oh, I have not seen such great faith. Your sins are forgiven. I would have said, oh, thank, wait a minute. Okay, thank you. But, and the Pharisees looked at him and said, this man blasphemes. What do you mean? Sins are forgiven. I thought, you, I knew he couldn't heal all the time. Those other things must have been some tricks. <laughs> so I asked the question to myself. Well, I wonder why he just said that. Because if, they, if he wouldn't have looked, if he wouldn't have known what was in their heart, he, then to me, he may not have healed him at that time. That's what I'm thinking, you know, as I read it, because it says, but he knew what was in their heart. And he said, why do you think these evil things? But because you like signs and wonders, then take up your bed and walk. So I said, well, why is that? So the Lord spoke to me. If you keep asking enough times, God will speak to you. I, I'm telling you. <laughs> Sometimes you might not like it, but he'll speak to you. He will. <laughs> so the Lord spoke to me and said, yes, I did that for a reason. And, it's a bit, and once, I, once it hit me, I said, oh, my Lord, have mercy. Wow. He said, what's more important, that your sins are forgiven or that I say, heal you, get up, take up your bed and walk? And I said, well, I kind of like both. He said, well, that's a good. He said, that's a good answer. He said, but how do you get both? That I forgive your sins. If I do that, you get it all. 
I could tell you just to get up and walk, but you think that's the last problem you're going to have in life? I need you in my presence. Why? Because in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures evermore. Once you are in the kingdom of God, everything is available. Healing, overcoming, deliverance, prosperity. I don't care what it is. Once you are in the kingdom, Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So you want healing. You want healing in your marriage. You want healing in your body, in your mind. You want deliverance from something. Come on. Salvation for a loved one. All of those things. In my presence. Seek first what? My kingdom. And all these things shall be added unto you. Make the kingdom of God your number one priority. And then number two, forgive. Why? So that you will be, if I read it right, if I read it correctly when I was reading it earlier, it said forgive so that you will be forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but I just don't want to go through the rest of my life unforgiven. Hmm? Come on. It says right here, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. And then he emphasizes it a little bit more. It says, but another conjunction. If you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Saints, this morning God is calling us to a higher place. Come on, discipleship. He wants us to go, it says in Hebrews, he wants us to go on unto full stature. Come on, we were talking about it this morning. I don't want to steal your thunder, but my wife was telling me about this morning. She was reading in Corinthians. Paul was talking to the Corinthians. All this bickering. Listen, I'm trying to give you meat. I'm trying to bring you up to a higher place. And I cannot do it because the most base things, walking by faith, come on, doing what I tell you to do, we're not doing, we're focused on each other's faults and each other's problems, come on, and our own problems, but God is saying if you'll turn your eyes, we sing it, turn your eyes to me and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added unto you.